Welcome to the Teachers Unified Podcast. I'm Sarah Lerner. In this episode, we'll hear from Logan Rubenstein, the former director of March for Our Lives Parkland. He speaks about his experience adjacent to the events at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on February 14th, 2018, how he's gotten into politics, and his plans for the future. I would like to introduce our guest, Mr. Logan Rubenstein, who is a former student of mine at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Welcome, Logan. (laughs) We're very happy to have you here. I normally start with background on the guests, but I do want to just jump right in. I know you were in eighth grade when the shooting happened at Stoneman Douglas and you were on lockdown at Coral Springs Middle School, which is just down the road from MSD. What was that experience like for you? How did your teacher make you all feel safe in the classroom during that, during the situation? My experience on that day was pretty interesting. You know, you go go to school, normal Valentine's Day, and you know, no one really expected what was going to happen. And the period rolls around and I was, I think I was in algebra. And we had actually had a teacher, like a permanent substitute, because our math teacher had just given birth. I I think it was her second week in the job. 2.30 comes around, and they go on the announcements and say, code yellow. And so we turn off the lights, we remain in our seats, and the the teacher starts keeping an eye on the door. And then shortly thereafter, they announced the code red. And so we were hiding in the corner for, felt like about three hours. School usually got out at about four, I think, think 4.30 or or, or five o'clock was when we got out um, and uh, no one knew what was happening at the time. Growing up, we would have school shooting drills um, and, and lockdown drills. Uh, you know, every, every every order they would they would have the mandatory drills. We didn't know at the time if it was real or fake and if what was happening at Douglas was also happening at my school. So that first hour and a half was really stressful because I was under the impression that something actually was happening. And I, I just, I remember people had their phones and the, the texts in the, in the reports started coming in about what was happening at Douglas, the, the information from CNN and your, your local 10 news, you know, finally getting out and being released. I, I just remember not fully understanding the gravity of the moment until I walked across the street um, and went to my, my local uh, public shopping center and there was an FBI command center. You know, it was staging uh, ground to, for the investigators. It was really then when I first started to see that something was up. And then I just remember my my dad picked me up from the shopping center and so many helicopters and cars and traffic. You know, Coral Springs and Parkland is not a very big town and there was never that much traffic ever. And I just remember just everyone was was in a rush getting somewhere. There were so many people going places. I remember trying to get into my my neighborhood entrance and there was actually a, a police barricade because the shooter had been tackled a block away from where I live. And so I happened to go around the second entrance and there was FBI agents with dogs basically uh, walking down the sidewalk and looking if, if there was, the shooter had dropped any firearms or hit any other weapons. And so it was a very interesting experience and to, to see that side of the event was pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, no one would expect that to happen in Parkland. I think the year before it was, Parkland was, was, was named the, the number one safest city in all of Florida. And so, you know, no one really expected it to happen here, but 
uh, my entire life, I, I, I've gone through school shooting uh, drills and I've been conditioned to almost expect it and just anticipation of, of when or if it does happen to be ready. And Parkland's always going to be changed because of it. And the, the people who've grown up in the environment will never be the same. It's the moments and the, the day that really stick with me in my memory. Were there things that your teacher, even though I know that it was an interim sub, but were there things that the teacher did to make you and your classmates feel safe? At the time, the, the teacher in our classroom wasn't the most experienced. So she really relied heavily on the students and the, the procedures of what to, ha- what to do in a lockdown drill. Um, and so she, she was there to comfort us and, and to, to walk us through it. My, my peers in the class who, who knew where to go and we we're the first ones we got up and, and we kind of knew what to do because we've been trained to do that. I will say like other students, the, the, the teachers didn't allow them to go on their phones. And so our teacher did. Um, that was one thing I, I appreciated. You know, in, in the weeks after talking to my friends and classmates, some people were really anxious because they weren't able to go on their phones for that, for that entire two hours. In the moment, I mean, all you really can do, do is just go in the corner, turn off the lights and, and be as quiet as possible. I, I, I guess that my, my teacher at the time, you know, did all those things and, and kept us safe. How did the lockdown drills impact you as a student? Because like I think about, you know, something you said that your teacher let you use your phone and you were in eighth grade and my son was in sixth grade and he was next door at Westglades and he had never experienced a lockdown drill before. He had texted me that, you know, I'm scared. We're on lockdown. I know I've shared this with you and I've shared this on the show before, but, you know, I I texted him. There's an active shooter at my school. I'm not shot. I'm okay. And having to send that to your child is just horrible. But I told him to, you know, listen to your teacher. If she tells you to put your phone away, put your phone away. Like you're safe. Like your teacher knows what to do, which we do and we don't. You know, like all the training in the world is great when you're in the moment, then you know, it's that fight or flight response. But I, I wonder how these lockdown drills impact students. And I know we had them throughout your four years at Stoneman Douglas. I mean, I'll, I'll say growing up, my entire educational experience has been filled with lockdown drills. I remember being in kindergarten and after the Sandy Hook shooting, we had a drill. And I was five years old at the time not quite understanding why or, or what was happening, but when the teacher says turn off the lights and to hide, you listen. It's just been a part of my educational journey has just been, you know, you you have the drills and they come in announcements and sometimes it's planned, sometimes it's not. It's just a part of the experience. When I got to Douglas in high school, the lockdown drills were a lot different, obviously because of the PTSD and you know, a lot of the, the trauma from students and teachers, they would come in the announcements and they would announce it. The, the principal would, would talk through almost the entire process, completely different from what the, the typical lockdown drill was like. And even then, students were, were still very hurt and traumatized by it, by, by, by reliving those, those experiences. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to, to go through these processes. And the fact that we, we still have school shootings since Columbine to today and nothing's changed. It's unfortunate that it's part of the process, but it just, it is. You know, I, I hope that if one teacher is trained and, and does the right thing, then if that saves one life, then that's one life worth saving. It's unfortunate, but it, it's just, it's part of the process. 
How do your friends and peers process this pervasive issue of gun violence? Because you all have grown up in a generation of school shootings. I'll say my, my experience is obviously a lot different than the average high schooler, but also very similar. I, I went to public school my entire life and have had lockdown drills my entire life, it feels like. Like I mentioned, it, it's just it's part of the process. Students are conditioned to always be thinking about it. My experience is different because it actually happened where I went to school and where I grew up. So not only was it always in the back of my head, but I had a reason and almost an anticipation of it. I mean, my my entire generation has been doing lockdown drills since they were in kindergarten. And so, you know, what that does to to students' mental health and, you know, learning, being in an environment where you have to think about topics like shooters and, and death, um, it, it really does, it, it adds an, an extra layer of, of, of stress, a, a, a new burden that a student just really should not have to deal with. So you first came on my radar through your involvement in March for Our Lives, you know, the local Parkland chapter. What prompted this decision to get involved in gun violence prevention first at that local level and then now at a more national or state and national level? I first got involved because I cared. Going through what I went through and, and the collective community went through, I, I couldn't fathom looking away from the issue. You really felt, I still feel really passionately about the issue. Um, the fact that we live in a society where instances like Parkland can occur and there's nothing stopping my community from becoming your community is a problem. And, you know, still to this day, I think back to where I was, you know, that, that 13 year old kid in eighth grade and just innocence and where my head was at and how this issue manifested itself into our communities. And I, so I, I knew I wanted to get involved. I didn't know what that looked like. I don't know how going through that experience, I became really passionate about the issue. And so it's actually kind of a funny story. When I, I became a freshman Douglas, I think it was like my first month or two, I think it was September of 2019. Um, I went up to David Hogg at an event and I was like, Hey, my name is Logan. I'm a freshman Douglas. How can I help? And so he gave me Lauren's contact, uh, his, his, his sister, who was also a co-founder of March and was in the process of putting together the parking chapter and said, go to this meeting and text her. And so I did. I just kept going to meetings and kept showing up and later became the president of March Parkland and then uh, eventually joined the, the March Lives Florida team as, as a policy director. So working in the state legislature and tracking legislation moving in, in, the, in the state legislature surrounding gun policy all of these issues that really affect students and students' concerns on how to tackle the issue of gun violence. I just kept asking how I can help and I kept showing up to events. And you know, now I'm, I'm second year in college and pursuing a political science degree and I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, but you know, just trying to, to keep helping out and doing my part because there really is no difference if you and I and everyone else listening to this don't get involved. You know, it starts with a simple uh, invitation and just asking how you can help. You really would be surprised how, how much can be done, how much help is needed on state levels and national levels. So you kind of already answered it, but what work have you done and what are you continuing to do with local, state and federal lawmakers to bring about gun reform and positive changes? I first really dug my teeth into to gun policy 
back during the 2019 Florida legislature. Um, that's when I, I first joined the, the March Florida team. The organization was, was in the process of putting together their peace plan for a state of Florida. So I was 15 years old, sophomore year of high school, sitting up till two o'clock in the morning, just reading through all the bills on the Florida uh, uh, House website and just learning the the bill attacks and what these things mean, the statutes, and just probably I should have been doing my algebra homework, if I'm going to be honest, just getting involved there. And we had our, our press release and we went to Tallahassee and we actually printed out this like 12 page legislative agenda and then walked into the governor's office and gave it to him. And I think we knocked over a plant in the process. That was my first like real introduction to, to, this, to the state uh, legislature. And then since then, I've continued to uh, work in the state legislature. Now I currently serve as the co-lead of Team Up Florida. And so we currently have a, a youth advocacy training program where we have 26 high schoolers who um, are members and I have the opportunity to teach them how to lobby. And then we take our efforts to the to the Capitol and work on, on gun policy. And so this year, we're looking at the majority party trying to dismantle a lot of the proposals that were part of the Parkland bill, the original Parkland bill. Um, so we're, we're fighting against lowering the, the age of, of to own a firearm from 21 to 18 and limiting the three-day uh, background check waiting period. And last year, we also were, were doing a lot of work surrounding opposition to permless carry. It's an uphill battle, uh, for sure. You know, a state like Florida, that we're not going to get wins every day. Um, but it's really important for lawmakers to, to have to see and answer questions from students. There is every effort made to, to lock the door on voices in opposition. And so if you're going to say no, say no to our faces. You know, it's, it's really important that we keep showing up, no matter how hard it could be to really continue the work, because I think the most important work I've ever and will ever do, we're, we're trying to save lives here. So I remember, I think I had you when you were a sophomore and you were in my intro to journalism class. And I honestly didn't even mind that you didn't do my work half the time because you had your laptop up. And this is before everybody went virtual and came to school with laptops and you always had your laptop and you sat at the group of desks near mine and I would just glance over at what you were doing and it was something on the state of Florida website or the White House website or whatever. And um, I, I didn't even have to ask what you were doing. And honestly, I gave you A's and I didn't even care that you didn't do my classwork because I knew that you were doing bigger things. What do you think that school-based employees and educators can do to use their voices in times of tragedy like school and community gun violence? Like I know you you bring the student voice to local, state, national lawmakers and, and levels, but like what can we do, like the adults, the teachers? I, I think there's a lot to be done. And I think we're currently seeing a really big mental health crisis COVID definitely sped that up, um, but it, it's been there for a while. And students have been struggling to take care of themselves for a, a really long time. And it's, it's really important for uh, leaders and community advocates to be in these spaces and talking to students and helping them and working through these issues that are really important to tackle. And in times of crisis, I remember hearing stories about the weeks and months after the shooting at Douglas, how, you know, there was therapy dogs and an army of, of therapists and therapy pigs and, and Dwayne Wade and all of these just, it, it was a circus. I even got to see a lot of that my, my freshman year, my sophomore year. 
at the end of the day, the role that educators can have is 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 pivotal in preventing tragedies and uplifting students. I think a lot more can be done to give teachers the tools necessary to succeed. You know, teachers are put in environments um, where they're not given the resources and they're expected to turn dust to gold, basically. And it's just that that burden should not be on on teachers, right? They're they're expected to be social workers, educators, mothers, fathers. I mean, nannies. I mean, you name it. Like teachers are are front and center when it comes to tackling these issues that are especially prevalent in our public education system. And so, taking care of, of yourself and to you know really make yourself available to to help someone in need. It, it starts with with making sure you're okay. How do you see educators and young people collaborating on the issue of gun violence? Like the students you've gone with and when you were a high school student and did these things yourself and you talk to these lawmakers, like, are they willing to listen to educators? Do they only want to listen to young people because, you know, the youth vote holds so much weight? Like, do you see a space where educators and young people can collaborate on this issue? The question pertaining to what do lawmakers listen to, I think we've, we've seen a continued track record of the majority party in Florida not listening to anyone but themselves. You know, students, teachers, it, it really, frankly, does not matter. They they have their agenda, they know what they want, and they just do it. In these meetings and, and in this work, I think teachers are really powerful because they can mentor and uplift students who may not have the experience or the tools at their disposal to craft their message. You know, a lot of times students are really passionate about an issue and they they have an idea of what they they think they, they care about, but they don't know how to say it. And I think that's where teachers can really help uplift these voices by giving them the, the tools necessary to get involved. When it comes to tackling the issue of gun violence, I think having teachers in this room as well uplifts and supports the voices of students even more. And I think at the end of the day, from a political perspective, nothing will be done until students and teachers and everyone votes on this issue and and organizes around topics like gun violence and forces their lawmakers to listen. In the state of Florida, we're seeing Republicans run on culture issues and, 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 and also NRA talking points, and they're winning by higher margins. That tells them when they go back to Tallahassee is that this is a winning issue and I should continue doing the same thing. And so nothing will be done or prevented until students and teachers are, are, are voting around this issue and organizing the communities and talking to, to everyone and getting them involved and, and taking not only the people in, in, in conversations to their lawmakers, but their votes as well. I know that you have done some work with state races for Nikki Freed, and you've got a Maxwell Frost poster behind you and Anna Eskamani. So like, what are your plans for the future? I know you're studying political science. What's your five-year, 10-year plan? Five-year plan is to finish school and try to find a job in this economy. <laughs> um, I, I can see you're getting at I, I don't think I see myself running for office anytime soon. And I, I don't think the goal should be in any effort to run for office. The reason why I do the work I do is because I care and I, I want to uplift others around me. You know, I, I think this work is really important and we need more people involved in it. And if I could, you know, help get one more person involved and to, to help, you know, more people see the success that they can they can impact um, on their own communities, then I think that that's work worth doing. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know what the future holds, right? I have, I have goals in mind that I want to, to see come, come to fruition. 
I, I don't necessarily have a 10 year plan. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be in, in doing this and that. And I'm going to be friends with this many people. I'm going to have this many followers. I think, you know, one thing with life is that tomorrow is not given and just trying to make the most of, of what's in front of me and, and put myself in positions where I can be successful and do what the things I want to do. In your short life, well, short compared to mine, you have done so many outstanding things and have met with and connected with and spoken to so many influential and important movers and shakers, and you have become one of those yourself. So even though you say you don't necessarily have plans to run for office yourself, I firmly believe that you will be behind many great political campaigns and people along the way. I enjoyed having you as a student, which you know. I appreciate all of the work that you're doing, and I know that it's going to make an impact on not just schools and gun policy and education in Florida, but far beyond that as well. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Teachers Unified to End Gun Violence on Instagram and threads at Teachers Unify and follow the podcast on both platforms at Teachers Unify PC.